HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You know, that's where (laughs) a lot of people mix it up. But actually, majority of coffee is coming from Ethiopia. It comes from Kenya. One of the most expensive coffees in in Africa, even in the world, actually, is also Kenyan coffee. There's delicious coffee coming from Kenya, from Ethiopia, Congo, Tanzania, Burundi. And in Africa alone, there's 20 countries producing coffee. 20 countries. But I think, you know, <laughs> this is, I can take the whole day talking about this, but I'm sure <laughs> people won't be interested in. But my only, honestly, like when it comes to like even cacao from Kenya, yeah. so many different countries, the problem is, I think what we need to do, it has to kick off from the government perspective as well. Yeah. Like we need to ensure that we're coming together. Because you need to come together. And I was speaking to somebody about this recently. You can actually ensure competitive pricing. Hey everyone, you're listening to Item 13, a bi-weekly podcast covering everything African food, and I'm your host, Yom Tego. Every other week, we'll delve into the world of African food, chefs, curators, and bloggers. I hope you enjoy it. Hey everyone, this is the last interview of Season 2, and we're rounding off the season by talking about one of my favorite vices, coffee with Amani Kithlemariam who is founder of Amate Coffee. Amani was born in Eritrea and grew up in the Sudan and the UK with a deep appreciation for the social and economic significance of coffee within Habisha culture. Amani worked in finance in London before putting her talent into building Amate that not only promotes African heritage but also benefits those small lot farmers who nurture this precious crop. Amani combines her passion for fine coffee and gender parity into Amate, which offers high-end coffee cultivated by hard-working female farmers. Amate's debut coffee collection comprises of five refined tastes that distill the continent's complex and inspiring spirit into every sip. Here's my fun conversation with Amani. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Thank I, you. I, I'm a big coffee. Uh, I wouldn't. I, I, coffee drinker. Let's just say I'm not gonna um, put myself out there as a, like a coffee addict. <laughs> so let's just say I drink coffee. So really excited to hear. You know, when I saw uh, what you're doing, I was really excited to talk to you about it, and especially you know with my interest in the African food value chain, I thought this would be interesting for people to know about so why don't we start first about you telling us 
about a little bit about yourself. So, who's Amani? Where did you grow up? A little bit about your Ethiopian Eritrean heritage, maybe. Absolutely, absolutely. So, uh, I'm Amani Kathamarium. I uh, I was born in Eritrea, East Africa. I lived in Sudan for um, for about eight years. Uh, my family had had be had immigrated because of the war of Eritrea and Ethiopia, so they immigrated years back. But it just happened to be that they were in Eritrea when I was born. Um, I grew up in London. So uh, I grew up here for about 21 years now, actually. Oh. Um, yeah, so my entire life, my <laughs> my education and everything is actually here in London. Yeah. Like, my background. And yeah, then, my back. Sorry. I'm sorry. Go, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, so I did legal and yeah, my, my career kicked off here in London, really. Okay, and then when you when you and your family moved to London, did you how like what what sort of ties did you still have to to um, Eritrea to Sudan even? Yeah, I think the culture was always I think with East African parents, especially like Ethiopian Eritreans, the way we grew up is that your culture is that even no matter, regardless of where you are, right. Ethiopian Eritrean culture is uh you know it's always part of the day-to-day whether it's coffee family food etc so i did grow up in a, i'm one of five children i'm the youngest oh, um nice. yeah so there's always that connectivity you know with with africa and uh our heritage and who we are etc so that we don't forget it's very important for my mother right. single mom to actually ensure that we all we always know where we came from in terms of values and yeah, heritage etc that's great um, and so then you, I know you have a full-time job in like financial services, right? Yeah. So then how, I mean, <laughs> that's great because I, I'm also, I also work in financial services. So okay. it's, it's interesting. Like when I talk, I, I actually find that a lot of people, I don't know if that's a good thing or not, but a lot of people I interview like will have some sort of, of financial services background and like, oh, I'm jumping into <laughs> food or, or food related um something so you, you know you do this full-time it's 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 um it's a demanding job actually and so how do you first of all how do you did you decide that you wanted to end up in in coffee specifically and then how do you juggle your full-time job you know versus this coffee interest oh, yeah it's a really good question actually get this question asked all the time um i work i work for an investment bank i've um it is quite demanding, you know, the hours, etc. About three years ago, I really asked, I think a question that many, many of us ask ourselves, like, what is my purpose? How much value am I adding? You know, obviously, financial services, you can say you're adding value because you're helping businesses and individuals in terms of entrepreneurship. And the bank that I write for is very big on entrepreneurship and helping entrepreneurs. So, uh, but I, you know, I asked this, I asked this question. I've always had an interest in Africa. It's mm. very important to me. I think, you know, Africa is such a rich continent. There's so much, you know, there's just, it's just, there's a wealth, there's so much wealth there mm. that we, as Africans, obviously we think about, like, we think how, what can we do, you know, for the continent? And it was so important for me to get involved. But for me in particular, because coffee was founded in Ethiopia mm-hmm. and it's, it's, I grew up with coffee. So, to give you an example, in our culture, anyone that comes the first uh, comes to visit, the first thing you do is bring out the coffee ceremony, which could take up to three hours to. Uh, oh. <laughs> yeah, and it's just about connecting. So through the coffee, you are you know talking about family stuff, about life, about you just kind of really connect. Right. You're building relationships through the coffee ceremony, and this is why it takes um, three hours and there's three different stages to it. So I always grew up with this passion, but I knew that I wanted to do something. 
And I wanted to do something for women. And, and the reason for that is because I grew up with a single mom, okay. single parent household. And, you know, we came here, we came to the UK, it's pretty much for a better life and as refugees, as unfortunately, that's mm-hmm. basically in that part of the world. So I always had this drive in me that if I'm going to come here, I'm coming here for a reason. <laughs> so, yeah. and that was what's to give back, especially in terms of coffee and the women. The women, I mean, 80% of the of the work on the ground when it comes to coffee farms, yeah. this is not just in Africa, it's across the world, is done by women. But when it comes to man, you know, management positions, la- ownership of land, etc., it's only 15%. And that's even, like, it's approximately 15%. So... I went to travel. I went. I went you know, back home, and I felt there is so much that I can do because I'm. I'm. I'm always being the person that not just wants to stay. You know, like the life. Because when you, when you work in finance, you can. It's easy to get stuck in that life. Yeah. Where every where everything. Yes, you're working hard, but everything. It's just a different life, and then when you go back to the village, you go back to visit. You know, parts. Of, I. I never wanted. I've never. When I go to Eritrea, you feel I don't stay in the capital. Mm. Asmara or Addis Ababa. It's nice to kind of obviously connect friends, but I've always had an interest in going to villages and just really connecting with those, you know, people from that part of the world. So that's what, you know, to kind of sum up, I always, I just wanted to work with people. It's not even about giving back. I'm not talking about charity. Yeah. Because I actually support orphanages separately, uh-huh. but that's that's not sustainable. Right. You give away, you, it's just not sustainable. But if you can teach people how to actually, you know, create something that's uh, revenue generating for them, pay them the right, you know, fair trade by mm-hmm. direct trade. I'll talk about our business model later. Right. You can ensure that these women are getting what they're getting, you know, what they should be getting in terms of the coffee. You can help them to ensure the coffee is of good quality. Um, and also in terms of education for themselves, hygiene, you know, all of this stuff. There's a lot of stuff that we need to right. work with. with the, and, 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 and Leah Cabeda as a foundation that is kind of focusing on mothers etc so for us it's something something similar because we've created this foundation as well where we take five percent of the of the of the cells that we make yeah. directly on that to ensure that there's impact so it's, it's always been about impact for the continent right. and women no that's that's really fantastic because like you say there's a lot of people and i, I don't even know if it's I don't want to say it's our generation specifically, but from the anecdotes or, you know, from what I see and read, it sounds like particularly our generation and maybe there's a certain sense of, okay, you know, you've, it, we've gotten to the point where we are able to maybe achieve a little bit more than our parents have. And so it's like, okay, like I've gotten to X point on what's the next thing. How can I either give back or make an impact? And a lot of people talk and think about it, but I, I don't think that as many people actually take the, do the, that hard work of taking the next step to, to do something. And, you know, it's, it's to me, it's like inspiring to hear you, not just going back home to, you know, to Addis, but actually going into the areas where you're meeting these women, actually doing the work. Um, I find that really, really admirable. Um, <laughs> so I really wanted to start with the, the name of your brand first, and then we'll dive deep into, so for people that are not familiar with, um, Ethiopia, Eritrea and Habisha culture, let's start with that. So what does first Amate mean? And then let's talk a little bit. I think you alluded to it a little bit, but about the coffee drinking culture versus let's say Italians drinking espresso, etc. So you talked about a ceremony, three stages. Exactly. Delve into that first. Absolutely. So um, the name Amata is actually my grandmother's name. So oh. <laughs> yeah, there's a. So I mentioned earlier that I, you know, I grew up with very strong 
women in my family, mm. like like from my grandmother, and my mother, you know, as my mom's raising five kids on her own. You you need a lot of strength yeah. and commitment, you know, hard work to actually be able to do that. So my growing up seeing both these, you know, incredibly strong women, um, my mother was the breadwinner and my grandmother was more like, you know, helping out in the house and making sure wow. that we were we were raised five kids. She did this for. So when my grandmother passed away, it was like you know, it's 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 something that you if you're connected to somebody so much, you know. And my grandmother was my everything. It made me question life. This is probably yeah. not a business. Yeah. I haven't actually opened. I don't really talk about stuff like this, to be honest. When I've been on panels and stuff, because you know that was that was the drive. And I always thought, you know, you question yourself. And anyone that's lost anyone important mm. to them understands that you kind of you lose yourself you think what am I doing who am I you know you're kind of asking all these questions and I wanted to make sure because of her values and the values that she had instilled in me that her name was always remembered and so I thought you know with the coffee and her or the values or trying to do with the women all of it just made sense and also the meaning of the actual name means to lead by example oh wow so it just fits it just (laughs) yeah it just it just connected (laughs) so and wow. so that's why we chose the name yeah. to lead by example. That's, that's so, amazing. Yeah. And I'm sure she'd be she'd be so so proud. So and it's a it's a great connection, right? The name, what she lived and stood for, what the actual name means, and then what it is that you're doing with the farmers and the foundation. It all ties in like quite nicely, I think. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so, so coffee drinking culture. So, um, between Italians and their espresso, and like what Starbucks is doing with you know trying to create a third, what do they call it, a third city or a third room? Um, mm-hmm. I'm interested in like one learning about um, your coffee drinking culture, and then how you're thinking about um, propagating that, I guess, with with your coffee brand. And so, because I'm not sure that as many people are as familiar with, with that culture. I think when people think coffee, they think um, either Starbucks or like uh, Europeans drinking coffee on sidewalks in the summer or something. Yeah, exactly. And I think I should start from saying, you know, when you see Italian coffee, actually the coffee is African. <laughs> so, and this is a debate that I have with my Italian friends and my European friends and like, Okay, actually, the actual beans is right. is African or South American. So this is what we're trying to do with the brand Amate is to tell that exact story, right? Mm-hmm. The brand is called Amate, but the coffee is really about these women, right? So we're trying to ensure that there is that transparency. If it's Ethiopian, Kenyan, Congolese, like, you know, the coffee actually comes from this farm, from this woman, and this is what we're doing with the coffee. So that, that's the that's the kind of transparency we want to create with the with the brand. Um, in terms of Ethiopian coffee culture, so I should say, just kind of to clarify, Amate coffee is not just Ethiopian coffee. First of all, it's, you know, the, it's, the, the brand is empowering women, okay. but we are specifically kicking off with Africa. And that's because obviously I'm, an, I'm African, right. I'm proud to be African, and I have that connection with the continent. So what we want to do is tell the rich um, story of Africa through our coffee collection. So we have um, the first collection we've launched is called the African Royal Collection. So we are, we've released three. So the Emperor's Blend for Haile Selassie, Queen Sheba for the north of Ethiopia and then Queen Nefertiti for Egypt. Okay. And then we're going to be releasing bit by bit, kind of going across uh, other parts of Africa. But the actual coffee um, is all over Africa, just to clarify. Okay. But the, yeah, the Ethiopian cult, uh, coffee culture is actually... It's very rich, and um, traditionally it's prepared and it's drunk 
twice or three times a day back home. And imagine, so it takes three hours and you're doing yeah. this. <laughs> Pretty much that's what you usually get a young a young girl in the house that would that would make the coffee. Growing up, I would do this for my grandmother. Okay. Um, and that's when your grandmother tells you stories, mm. your heritage, all of this. That's what you, usually that's our, you know, our culture in terms of what we do with the coffee. Mm. But it's the three stages. So they make the coffee. It's, it's, um, they have these little cups, mm-hmm. coffee cups to make the coffee. Um, they have this clay pot where the coffee is made. They roast the coffee. So you start off with the green coffee. The green coffee is washed. It's roasted in front of everybody oh. that is there. Yeah, and then it's then they grind the coffee whilst you're there. And there is in a traditional traditional way. There's no grinder. They use this special like equipment that okay. actually grinds the coffee there. And then the coffee is put into the pot. Water's put there, and then you'll wait until you can see it. You can hear it that mm-hmm. it's actually kind of cooking. Um, so that's the. That's the tradition, but there's three different, um, the first, second, and third um, stages to the coffee. Um, and that that is really related to just how, you know, when, when coffee was discovered, it was discovered by monks. Um, it was discovered, obviously, by the Kaldi. There's a legend that Kaldi, a guy who, um, the shepherd, founded it because okay. he's, he's, his goats started eating this <laughs> plant and then they started going weird and stuff. <laughs> so that is I've like, not heard that story before. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But really, it's the monks that started drinking it to stay awake to pray. That, that's oh. the history. Yeah. Um, and it was actually a long time before they discovered that you can actually roast this and then it helps you to stay the caffeine. So, but yeah, it's, it's, it's three stages in, in not just Ethiopia, also the Eritrean culture. Mm-hmm. Okay. No, that sounds, actually, that sounds really cool and interesting. Three hours though. That's, I guess if you, <laughs> if you are going to roast it and grind it and for yeah, it, it would take, it would take that long. And I can also see how then community or connection kind of forms around that process just by virtue of, um, the, the tradition and the process. Um, one of the questions I had for you, and you alluded to it a little bit, like I wanted to talk about the product range. So you said you have three lines. Are those um, ground beans or whole beans? Like how are you, What in what form are, are you selling the coffee at this stage? Um, so we've got we've got the, the uh, so there's five coffees we've launched with. Okay. We've got three of them as part of the um, Royal Collection, African Royal Collection. Mm-hmm. Then we've got another two which is the 90 plus, which is like 90 plus is like not even 1% of the coffee in the world is 90 plus, which is basically the way coffee is cut. It's like similar to wine from zero to 100. Okay. They, they taste it and then they give it a, they give it a score. So 90 plus is very rare. So we've got oh. that and then we've got the Connoisseurs um, blend, but the, the, all the coffees come in ground and they come in beans. Okay. So it just depends on what the client wants when they okay. go to the, um, yeah. Okay. Um, and... Uh, so is that then what makes it luxury? I was going to ask you about um, luxury or gourmet coffee. So is that then what makes it um, like a high-end coffee, that zero to 100 range you were talking about? Exactly. So okay. um, so we actually cut. What those, so the cupping process is where you get the coffee, you roast it, and then you grind it, then you put it into these different cups, you're tasting it, and you kind of assess oh, it for okay. Yeah, for, for it's all the diff- different criteria. Yeah. But within that, then you give it a score from zero to 100. Okay. So all of these coffees, we, we went through 150 to find these five collections and um, five items within the collections. 
to get everything that was 87 plus. So it's very high in coffee. Oh, so we've got 90 plus and yeah, like 89, uh, 91, etc. Nice. Okay, I think this is a good time to take a, a quick break. Then when we come back, we'll delve into your business model. We'll talk about the business of coffee, like how you're um, sourcing, packaging, um, that sustainable, the idea of sustainable coffee. We'll talk about, you know, the work with the, the foundation and supporting from our families. And then we can wrap up with, you know, what's next for Amate Coffee, where we can buy it now if we want to, um, and okay. all that good stuff. Uh, so we'll take a break now, and when we come back, we'll delve into that. Perfect. Thank you. Okay. Okay. All right. So we're back from the break. Although I feel like we did (laughs) cover a lot of what we want to talk about. We kept yapping away, but that's fine. Okay. So back, and we now want to talk about the business of coffee and entrepreneurship from the African's perspective, how, you know, we need to make, do a better job of, like, selling our, um, our continent's resources, adding value, um, understanding that value chain, and then being able to market it, upsell it to the global marketplace. So uh, the business of coffee, first, like, so you decide you want to go into coffee because there's this culture, there's a story, there's this family connection. So... Where do you start? Good question. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I, um, when I decided this is what I wanted to do, I started doing loads of intra- uh, research, a lot of research. Yeah. And what I started doing, I went back home, I went to Ethiopia, I went to Eritrea, I started visiting the farms. I started going to entrepreneurial events. I've met a number of different successful entrepreneurs, managed to get, you know, kind of connect um, to find, because there's so many events, but it's about selecting which is the best event to go Mm -hmm. to, right? So um, um, from the research, market research, I mean, coffee, commodity-wise, after oil, um, coffee's a second, right? It's like 100, yeah, generating 100 billion um, USD every year, just after oil. So it's a huge industry, and it's it's a lot, it's, it's a very easy industry to get into and also to exit. And because of that, it's very difficult, right? It's very mm-hmm. it's very difficult to be to be the best at what you do or to have a USP. So the question is, what is your what is your unique selling point? Exactly. What do you bring to the table versus the guy in the corner shop? Yeah. Or so that's what you know. I spent a lot of time focusing on that. Why us? that question that you ask and you put that question to your friends, your family, to colleagues, why, why, you know, you're kind of bouncing ideas and then you, you get to a stage where you're like, actually, I know why people should buy from Amate coffee. And these are the reasons, but it takes time to get to that stage yeah. because you're kind of brainstorming and you think it doesn't make sense. And you're kind of like, but I think the first thing to do really, we, what, what we did was it was the research. Does this make financial sense? Right. In terms of the direct trade, does it make financial sense? How much are people paying right now? You know, like, what are we trying to do? What is our USP? And that was, we thought, you know, actually, we're all about delicious high-end coffee and women. And this is how we're going to position ourselves in the market. Direct trade, empowering female farmers. But we're going to kick off with uh, Africa 
And there is a reason for that, because as an African, as I mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. I want to ensure that we're telling the rich story of the African continent. So that's the kind, that's what we ended up with after you know, a number of years of just really kind of, even the logo was changed a number of times. I could talk about the logo, obviously the name, which is my grandmother's, yeah. but there's a logo on top, and that's all about feminism, like it's about female. You see, if you look at the logo itself, it's trying to connect to that, what we're trying to do, you know, what we're the work that we're doing with the women female farmers. Oh, yeah, I'm just looking at it now and I see it. It's actually <laughs> the same as I see the farm. Oh, yeah. It's not as obvious, is it? <laughs> no, but that's good. I think it's a subtle. I mean, like, when you said it, like, it just popped. Like, I could see it right away. Well, that's good. Because um, I was just thinking as you were talking about it, how... Um, I was at a dinner party uh, a few months ago where we were talking about coffee because I'm a big, like I think I mentioned earlier, I'm a coffee addict essentially. <laughs> and um, there was someone at, at this coffee table that I was, we were arguing about where Starbucks gets its coffee from. And she was saying India um, produces most of the world's coffee and that all of Starbucks coffee comes from India. And I was like, I mean, I don't know. I've, I drink a lot of coffee and I don't know much about, you know, the, the sources and all of that stuff behind it, but I'm pretty sure that like some of that stuff comes from Africa. And she's like, no, 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 oh. it's all Indian coffee. I was like, um, and mm. I just didn't have the data information to back it up, but it just struck me how people don't, people don't know that, that one, we produce coffee and yeah. two, that it's available like in your I don't even want to say go to your local Starbucks, but it's available mainstream is what I want to say. It's just, it's not branded that way. Right. Even you telling, even you telling me that Italian coffee is quote unquote, Italian coffee is made from African coffee beans. It's like, just people don't know that. I think, I think going to that, first of all, Starbucks doesn't buy the coffee just from India. And I know this because I know the people who sell (laughs) Starbucks part of my research and actually they have to be close family friends that's incorrect um and also starbucks wouldn't be branding their coffee as from ethiopia if it wasn't coming from ethiopia right. obviously from a legal point of view as well right um in terms of um when people say it's italian coffee or french coffee i think you know a lot of people when people say that um they think it's the coffee beans actually it's the way you um, roast the coffee or it's the way that you brew the coffee Right, because you can do any. You can do. You can get your own personality into the coffee. Oh, yeah. You might want it, you know, medium roast, actually dark roast for espresso. It really depends about what you want to to do in terms of the coffee. If the coffee is very high and expensive, you don't want to dark. You don't want to roast it like you know a dark roast. You wouldn't want that because actually you're just wasting the coffee. You want to taste, you know, whether it's the, the berries or. You know, whatever the, the notes of the coffee, you want to be able to taste that. So you want to do a medium most and then filter coffee, you know, like you want to you want to be able to enjoy it. So it's, it really depends on how you want to have the profile of the coffee. But the actual beans, that's, you know, that's where yeah. <laughs> a lot of people mix it up. But actually, majority of coffee is coming from Ethiopia. It comes from Kenya. One of the most expensive coffees in, in Africa, even in the world, actually, is also Kenyan coffee. There's delicious coffee coming from Kenya, from Ethiopia, Congo, Tanzania, Burundi. And in Africa alone, there's 20 countries producing coffee. 20? Um, like, it really? I, 20 I thought, countries. Wow, I did not know that. I actually there's thought it was 20. just a few, like, in, in sort of in the Horn of Africa, like Eastern Africa, the Horn of Africa, that section. I didn't know it was that many also. 
Yeah. And that is just so... And it's one of the things that frustrates me, and I don't even know, like, where the the frustration starts and ends, you know, starting with, like, leadership on the continent itself, taking advantage of the resources we have and thinking about how we can be better placed, you know, on the global stage to take advantage of all of this, whether it's coffee, whether it's tea. And that's, I'm just going on a tangent, but that's just one of the things that, like, gets me because you think of a small country and I, I feel like I've had this conversation. I don't know if it was on the podcast or with somebody, but a small country like Italy that has its food culture just everywhere, you know, mm-hmm. and you mm-hmm. think a whole continent of Africa with all sorts of potential possibilities. Why? Uh, anyway, I, I'm, but I think, you know, <laughs> this is actually, I can take the whole day talking about this, but I'm sure <laughs> people won't be interested in, but my only, honestly, like when it comes to like even cacao from Kenya, yeah. and so many different countries, the problem is I think what we need to do, it has to kick off from the government perspective as well. Yeah. Like we need to ensure that we're coming together. Because if you can come together, and I was speaking to somebody about this recently, you can actually ensure competitive pricing, right? Exactly. You don't, because if you're trying, because if you, and you also need to take a stake in, in the companies that are selling this. If you get together, you get a consistent price end coming out from these different African countries, you can invest that money to actually buy shares within, whether it's Cadbury or all these different, yeah. you know, it's, we're just talking about chocolate here. But I think that's what, that's how we need to start thinking when we're thinking about, it's not just, you know, handover, here's, whether it's the cacao, there you go, do whatever yeah, you want with it. Actually exactly. think about the end result because that's where you make money and profit. And you want a stake in that, so... <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like you said, yeah. if, I, if I start going down that road, we could talk about that all day. It's yeah. It's, like, super frustrating exactly. to me. Anyway, so back to your business model then. So you're getting coffee directly from the farmers. And let's talk about that, your foundation also. So how does that all work in terms of sourcing and then the foundation piece? Sure. So, so um, we work closely with the... With the partners of us called Addis Exporters. Okay. Um, incredible, incredible. So they 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 sell to like global companies. Okay. They they're huge, they're like number one in, you know in, in across Africa. So we work close with them to have that relationship. So they manage our relationship on the ground with farmers. Um, and they work with another partner where on a day to day basis, because obviously we're based in the UK at the moment. Um, and they go to all the different farms and have those conversations and then that's how we manage it currently because we don't have our own farm you know eventually that's what we want to do we want to have our own farm and oh. run it that way yeah but at the moment it's, it's the model is that we'd go directly to the farmers but our, the relationship being managed by different pe- people on the ground um and then your other point which was um, no, that's okay so in terms of the foundation itself and like empowering yes. the the female farmers right so what what specifically yeah. are you doing around that sure so we were setting up the foundation the reason we set it up is because um when i was traveling across the different farms i just I, I, I basically realized that there's a much more help needed mm-hmm. versus just giving salaries. There's more, like, for example, the schools. It takes 10 kilometers for a lot of people to get to the right, school. Yeah. There, there is a school, but there aren't enough teachers. There's no enough chairs. There's no computers. So we donated, immediately we donated 10, 10 computers. 
um, with, with, with add this export. Yeah. But we realized this is not sustainable. What can we do? So we want to partner, first of all, um, uh, we, we within Ethiopia, what we do with the foundation, because we're going to be taking 5% and just, obviously, we just launched. Um, what we did in the last three years was we would just paying them directly so we would give like uh, donations donations computers financial like support yeah. um, clothing etc to different schools to uh, also two orphanages that we support one in Addis Ababa called Kirana Maharat which is incredible being run by nuns okay. and then there there is another one in Asmara called the Samaritan Sisters but that's kind of that's what we're trying to do with the foundation but in terms of the women what we want to do is um, what, what we've been doing rather is we have been supporting an organization, the Samaritan Sisters, in uh, where they go to villages called the Kamhara within Eritrea. To give an example, they teach women how to make like all these different um, scarves, like dresses, yeah. all of this. So, yeah, so they teach them how to do that. These are usually single mothers. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when they come to do that, they also take the children to the nursery. So these women, they don't have to pay oh, for any of that. Oh, they give yeah. them. Yeah, and they teach them. So we're supporting, um, supporting basically these women. Um, in addition to that, obviously, when it comes to the farmers, we're just basically whether it's education, how to uh, to manage your finances, um, education on how to actually ensure that your children are, you know, getting the best education they can. So simple things like there's, you know, like when we gave the ten computers, mm-hmm. you can we we basically partnered with a local organisation where these women can now actually take these children to, to to also give them access to those PCs because we're talking about villages here. Yeah. So it's tough. This is if you get electricity. Um, but the foundation is basically looking for ways, you know, to, to create impact. No, I think that's fantastic. And I, I, I'm, I, I'm sorry, like, it, it sounds like I'm, like, really quiet. I'm just taking it all in because I'm also, like, incredibly impressed by how much you're doing and and knowing also that you have you know a full-time job and that you've been very thoughtful about the entire chain right not just oh you know I'm gonna do premium coffee and make money but that impact direct impact I guess to to the farmers especially the female farmers I think it's is is um is laudable so I'm just like, taking it all and I'm like, this is, this is all <laughs> fantastic. It's one of those things where I'm like, oh my God, what am I doing with my life? <laughs> no, I'm no, doing no, loads no. of stuff. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's really fantastic and it's great to hear. And, and I mean, obviously you can tell, I think that we both have sort of similar sentiments about how much more can be done in like the African food and beverage space, if you want to call it that, and how much value can be added and impact that needs to, to happen there. So I'm I'm truly, really stoked about this and, and excited for what's to come with you guys. So you just actually, we were talking about this earlier, you just officially launched in London. You had a launch party. Yeah, last we week. did. How, how did that go? What was the response like? What, what, what was that like? So it was it, it was actually Thursday, two days ago. We spent about oh. a month run, running around with my team. So I'm very lucky to have a talented team. We've got a sales director um, and one communication director and two analysts at this stage. So obviously we just kicked off now really initially. So um, the event was very much to really bring our investors, um, our clients. We've got a few 
few clients, our friends and, and a few family members and a few friends to actually just say thank you very much. We're here. We showcased the um, the collection. Mm-hmm. We had espresso martinis, which were delicious. <laughs> yeah, of course. Of course. <laughs> um, and people people really tasted the coffee. We wanted feedbacks. So we had a feedback bowl just for people to just say, you know, what did you think? What can we do yeah. better? How can we? Yeah. And um, so it was that it took place in a, a place called Aquavit. Actually, I think you guys have an Aquavit in uh, Aquavit in New York City, yeah, which is. Yeah by Samuel, Marcus Samuelson, right? Yeah. I think he owns it, yeah. So we did it there in London. And it was such a lovely, lovely, lovely event. Because um, when, you, when you're working on something for like three years and you suddenly see yeah. it all coming together, like, oh my God, <laughs> this is really happening. Yeah, I know. I was going to say, like, that's probably the point where you're like, holy crap, this is actually, <laughs> this is it. This is, this is, this is, yeah. Um, yeah, that's great. Um, so then, like, you know, you're officially launched. Like, what for you up until this point has been, like, the most, um, surprising thing maybe on this journey like you you obviously had did a lot of research you've understood sort of what you're trying to bring to the table but have there been any things that have really like truly surprised you along the way would you do anything differently up until this point um I think yes I would do a few things certainly for example when we first started three years back like kind of getting the website or kind of instructing someone to create a website where you have no proof of concept you don't have a business plan you're rushing to get things that you think you need in place when actually they're not the important thing the most important thing is the business plan what are you trying to accomplish what are the projections looking like who are your investors do you want investors where is your place in the market etc that's the most important thing and then once you've got that you want to create the brand you want to test the brand you want to get feedback to create the best you can so that's the way it should have been done um, I would say I went with, you know, I went the wrong way about it initially <laughs> in terms of just, you know, you spend a lot of money because you think you just want to make it happen and you yeah. think it's going to happen within a year. You're so passionate, <laughs> you have so much energy. You know, you think, I mean, honestly, if it was up to me, it would have not two years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's actually a good point from one, a couple of different perspectives. One where, you know, a lot of, I've I've heard people say, because I'm thinking about a a couple of different entrepreneurial opportunities right now. And a lot of the advice I've been getting is one, like, don't overthink it, just do it. Like, it's that first step that will help you learn what, you know, what you don't know and what you do know. And you sort of self-correct as you go along, because you could spend five years, like, thinking about it and not actually (laughs) doing anything. And then that idea of spending money where it's not necessarily uh, needed or impactful quite yet. Like, I think... I think there's that rush and that, like, you know, I want to make it look beautiful. And before, you know, you actually understand who your target market is and all of that stuff. So Exactly. Yeah. But I think I'm having, honestly, having, I've been very lucky. I've had some incredibly, like, amazing women in my life. But I'm talking about from the business side yeah. of entrepreneurs, like, you know, two of my friends who, like, they did all of that, you know, like, kind of apprentice or dragon's den. They succeeded in the business. Yeah. They're across the, you know, like, different different markets and stuff so being able to have somebody to bounce ideas with because it's not easy it's, it's, you know for me I started this on my own it's a lonely journey yeah it can, it can be very lonely you feel like 
my salary is going into this every month. My lifestyle has to change. Yeah, I, I, um, I, I totally relate. And you're right. Like, I think I have like a core group of girlfriends right now who I'm dancing stuff off and who are actually helping me do the work, some of the work around. I think we talked about this offline, like around, you know, creating a certain type of experience, branding, um, and just having that. It's, it's just priceless, I think. For sure, yeah. for sure, and not spend too much money as well. And also, actually, another thing, another tip, or you know, kind of something to share: when you first start and you're telling people about the idea, and people are so excited, some people come to you and say, "I want to invest." You know, like you yeah. get so many people that want to invest. And I think from a legal, my background is legal, and I yeah. work in like you know risk and strategy. From that mindset, you're always you know from KY knowing your client, all these risk assessment checks that we do in the bank you know yeah and you want to start checking who is this person you're telling me you're this person but actually are you that person so there is that additional due diligence enhanced due diligence that you have to take because you have to be very protective over your brand you don't want to be associated you know with the wrong people for example as you're going to all these different events you're meeting different people it's just you know a gentle reminder is this person who they are you know who they say they are as simple as it is, it's just kind of protecting the brand in the long term. You don't want to be involved with the wrong people, yeah. etc. So that's something, yeah. No, that's that's <laughs> great, and it's funny that you, you I, I feel like you were almost on the cusp of saying KYC, and I was like, no, oh, I don't want to hit The being of my existence. Um, I'm but, sorry. No, yeah, no, no, but it's funny, and I actually, to be honest, I never thought about that application, right, of, you know, like what we do in our day jobs and how that potentially translate to entrepreneurial. <laughs> yeah, I need to do yeah. that, you know, due diligence and, and knowing who that's and then that's right, like even understanding like what you know, if you if you're on the same page in terms of values also, which I think people under um I don't know if the right word is underestimate, but you know, it's just like, oh, someone's ready to give you money, but do they? Are you guys on the same page in terms of yeah, value value driven, right? Not necessarily just you know he agrees to the business plan, but like the underlying core values are those similar? Because you know, if 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 um, it ten- ends up becoming more profit oriented versus you know what you're trying to do um, from a value perspective, that could also course she's down the road I suppose. Mm-hmm. So, anyway so this is all great like I'm so if you like I'm really so excited this is one of those things that I'm just really excited for like one because I'm a coffee Aww. lover personally but then two just like this it's a, it's just a great model I've seen the, the branding and all of that looks good and the impact that you're trying to make also like the entire package for me is it's heartwarming and I'm excited about it for you and for the team um so what's next for for you guys? So you know you you've launched. You have a, a limited product line right now. Plans to go international coffee shops? Maybe I know you talked about a farm also. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so at the moment we basically client acquisition. So we're talking to clients and stuff because not so those five coffees are for B two C. Okay, it's just for people that want to go and buy. They want to try the coffee, but we actually we have a wholesale business within within Amateur. Okay. This is where we're talking to all these different kind of mission star restaurants, etc. So we want to focus on that as well. But at the end of the year, we are also planning to open a coffee shop. So a boutique coffee shop somewhere central. Um, this is where the investors come in. The investors after the due diligence, by the way. <laughs> so those investors that have been incredibly supportive yeah. for the last two years and just waiting until we were ready. 
Um, and we want to open a coffee shop because I think it's very important that we connect with our consumers yeah. um, somewhere central, give them that experience of the delicious coffees that you know these incredible women are making. Yeah, I'm excited. Next time I'm in London, I think I'm. I'm in Yay! I'm in <laughs> I don't know if that will be when it will be open, but yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited. Like I, it's I, one of the dreams I've had, which I don't know ever happened, is to is actually to have like a like a fully African sourced like cafe. So like with like a very unique type experience you know you have african coffee chocolate like everything is sourced from from directly from somewhere in africa it's like one of the ideas i'm playing with in my head so this is exciting for me um so before we transition to sort of the rapid fire questions can you let people know where they can find you online if they want to buy coffee or follow your story yeah, sure. So um, on Instagram, we're at Amata, A-M-A-T-T-E, coffee. Um, and the website is www.amata.co.uk. Great. Okay, so rapid fire questions time. And I can looking at some of the questions I have now and I feel like... <laughs> This is the first question I know. I know what the answer is because of what we talked about in the last hour or so. Um, the first question is, is coffee or tea? Oh, oh, coffee, of course. <laughs> Any day. Give me African coffee. Yeah. Um, sweet or salty? Sweet. Uh, morning person or night person? A morning person. You'll find me at the gym at like some ridiculous hours. If yeah, you're looking for me. <laughs> Uh, if you could live on one dish for the rest of your life, what would that be? Jello fries. Jello, jello. <laughs> no, you need to... <laughs> oh, my Nigerian. <laughs> yes, me. <laughs> jello, no, honestly, a lot of, I thought this was Nigerian, but some friends of mine have been telling me, no, it's Ghanaian, and then yes, it's from Cameroon. Yes, is the best, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> we make it in the Arabic culture in the East African as well. And, oh, you uh, do? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I don't we know also, that. It's very similar. They make it with, like, all these different, like, like yeah, meats and stuff. It's yeah, very nice. You know, to be honest, I just... Anyway, like, I feel like... Well, first of all, jollof, I feel like you can find across different cultures, right? From, like, Spanish rice to paella, like, different varieties of versions of it. Yeah. Um, and So, is that Nigerian, or where is it from? <laughs> exactly, right? <Yeah. laughs> Yes. yes. Um, and then the last question is, what your favorite African restaurant is anywhere in the world, and, and, and why? Um, uh, I would go for uh, Adelice in London. Adelice is an Eritrean restaurant. Oh. It's actually yeah, I've been going to that restaurant for twenty one years oh, now wow. with my family. So the food is very nice. Okay, it's I a very clean, a... delicious. Yeah, make a note to try that next time I'm in London. That sounds good. I'll take you. I'll take you. I'll take you. This is this is great. Um, I have had such a good time talking to Yamani, and I think I think it's a good way to spread the word about for all you coffee addicts out there. Even if you don't like coffee you can buy it and, and send to someone like me <laughs> who, who loves coffee and i just i'm i'm thrilled about your story and, and wish you guys nothing but the best of this thank you so much for having me on thank you. a quick one guys if you've loved the show of the last two seasons i would really appreciate your feedback through ratings and recommendations on the podcast platforms where you listen to the show Also stay tuned for next week's wrap-up episode where I think 
we'll make a couple of big announcements about what's going to be happening during the summer while we take a break from recording the show. 